every word with you, I want you to turn very quickly to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And if you're taking notes, the title of today's message is Hit Me With Your Best Shot. Hit Me With Your Best Shot. I'm not going to take too long. I already know that uh, time is of the essence. So no later by than 8 p.m. will I let you out, okay? So it will be a short service. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. Let's, let's go right into the Word. Here we read in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 10 through 12. Then, uh, sorry, um, let me get to it. Okay, in the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons that you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome and with beautiful eyes. Sounds like me. I'm just kidding. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. We're reading where Samuel is anointed or instructed by God to go to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem to anoint the next king of Israel. And so when he goes to Jesse's house, we pick up on this story about Jesse bringing out all these sons whom he thought that was qualified to become the next king. But as Jesse went from son to son to son to son, the Lord rejected all of these sons. And Samuel asked, is there still another son that you have? And the Bible says that Jesse's response was, there is still the youngest. When you look at the original Hebrew language, that word youngest translates to, there is still the least of these. So now we understand what Jesse's perception of David was. He considered David not just the youngest, but he's the least of these. But why did the Bible feel like it was important to describe David as dark, handsome, with beautiful eyes? I'm about to mess up with some of your theology, okay? Some Jewish rabbis and scholars believe that because the Bible described David being dark complexion, that it is very possible that Jesse may have had an affair with an African woman, and out of that affair, David was born. Which further proves, in Psalms 51.5, David writes, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So now that we understand the context of how David was conceived, we now have a better portrayal or a, or a view of why Jesse didn't even want David to be in the same house. This is what I believe. I believe Jesse put David as far as he can away from the house, not to be reminded of the past failures and the sins that he committed. I wonder how many of us feel like we have been outcasted, we've been pushed to the side, and all this activity is happening in the house, and David doesn't even know what's happening in the father's house. But because 
Jesse thought, oh, all these other brothers must be qualified. I'm sure they were more stronger. I'm sure they were more intellectual. I'm sure they were a lot smarter. They had all these qualifications, but the Lord rejected them. I want to encourage someone today. What, what, the, the, what man selects, God will reject. And in fact, what man rejects, God will select. God does not called the qualified, but instead he will qualify the called. David wasn't even in the house when Samuel first approached Jesse's house, but God knew where David was. And Samuel had the idea, we will not sit down until he comes. Can I encourage you? It does not matter what the proximity you are to the house of God. God knows where you are. And God has an opportune time for you to be invited into the house to fulfill the calling that God has on your life. And so we read that David immediately gets anointed. And as soon as he's anointed, if I was anointed to become king, I would have asked God, okay, God, now that I'm anointed, where is my throne? Where are all my servants? Let's get on with the show. But that's not what happened. In fact, when David was anointed, he was sent back into the pasture field, which tells me that you can be anointed, but not yet appointed. We are a fast food generation. I've said this before. We are a fast food generation. We are an Amazon Prime kind of generation. We want instant results, instant delivery. But we have to understand that our timeline does not fit God's parameters. We serve a God of the Alpha and the Omega. It's insulting to have God fit to our timeline. And so instead, we should have this posture saying, God, Lord, not my will, but Lord, let your will be done. And so I want to encourage someone that feels forgotten or you feel left out. Let me encourage you this morning that God has not forgotten about you. God knows where you are. God knows where you've been. And he is waiting for the opportune time for you to meet your destiny. And so as we read, I'm sure as David was in the pasture, there's probably a lot of questions he may be asking himself. Why does my dad not believe in me? In fact, he called all my other brothers except me. What does he think of me? Parents, let me encourage you. What you think or what you speak of your children would either make or break them. The power of life and death is in your tongue. Whether they're acting like angels or maybe some heathens sometimes. They may be acting like little devil children. You need to speak life. Let's be real. There may be a season where your children are not following in the way of the Lord, but because of your dedication, because of your faithfulness, because of your steadfast commitment to the Lord to raise your children in the way of the Lord, we have to believe that God is a God of his word to train up a child in the way they should go so that way they would not depart from it. As long as you do your part, God will do his part. And so allow your children, if even if they are living away from the Lord, continue praying, continue fasting, continue believing, continue speaking life over their situation. It may not look like it now, but I believe that God has a greater plan, a greater destiny, and a future for your children. Even much greater than your plans for your children. Sometimes we have to submit our plans for our children to the, to the will of the Lord. 
Although it may not look like the same thing, God has everyone in the palm of his hand. And so now that we see that David must have had these thoughts in the pasture, let's see what he was doing while he was in the pasture. Uh, So David was anointed, but not yet appointed to become king. And Jesse still doesn't trust David to go into the battlefield. Here's why I say that. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 17 through 18. One day, Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. Let me remind you, David has already become anointed to become king, but yet Jesse still doesn't trust David to go into the battlefield. Instead, David said, or Jesse says, David, I want you to serve your brothers that are on the battlefield. I know I, I, I don't trust you enough to, to, to fight on the battle, but at least go feed your brothers. David's response could have been one of two things. One way could have been, uh, excuse me, dad, don't you know who I am? Let me remind you. Samuel came and from God, he anointed me to become king. I shouldn't be serving my brothers. Instead, my brothers should be serving me. But watch this. Because David had a humble attitude and because he was willing to serve his brothers. Parents, this is your time to nudge your children. Okay, listen to this, okay? Because David chose to obey his father, what seemed like a mundane, ordinary task became a divine appointment when David was there to deliver food to serve his brothers. God said, that seems like an ordinary task for you, but let me put my extra on that ordinary to make it an extraordinary destiny opportunity. And so because David chose to do what was beneath him, God chose to do what was beyond him. How many of us have maybe missed our appointment with God because we thought that task was too beneath us? We thought, oh, let some other people do that. I'm way too qualified for that. You may have more degrees than a thermometer. God does not care. Honestly, education is great. Having a PhD is wonderful. If you're a doctor, we need you to go to college. We need you to go to medical school. But let's be very clear that our qualifications doesn't exceed God's manifestation of his anointing in our lives. We have to be able to submit ourselves to whatever God's calling is. I wonder what season you're in. Maybe you are in a season where you know that God has great things planned for you, but you're frustrated because you are doing ordinary mundane tasks that is not progressing you along to what you think could be the future that God has for you. Can I encourage you that we serve a God that is never late, never too early, but he's right on time. And so when David came to serve His brothers, God served him with his appointment. So children, teenagers, young people, if you are still living under your parents' roof, there is a blessing that comes with obedience. Let me say that again. There is a blessing that comes with obedience. 
I know it seems like you are way smarter than your parents. I know you seem like your parents are old-fashioned. God is not looking whether you agree or not with your parents. God is just looking for obedience. I know it's really quiet, I know. Many young people are not happy with me right now. But watch what happens with David. Even while David was on his lunch break, God chose to do a divine appointment and present him with an opportunity of a lifetime. And so when David is presented on this battlefield, he hears this giant Philistine saying, who are you and who is your God? Who wants to come and challenge me? I will defeat you and your God. And here David is, a young kid. He's ready to serve some Lunchables or something to his brothers. And he hears this giant and he's saying, did y'all hear what Goliath said? Goliath is defying our God. What are you guys doing about it? And the brothers are wanting David to shut up and, and, and move away because uh, they think that David doesn't know what he's doing. David, come on, what are you doing? He's defying our God. What are y'all doing about it? If y'all are not going to do anything about it, I'm going to do something about it. And so David finally has this courage to go before Goliath. And he had this boldness and audacity to speak before Goliath. Why do you think that David had this boldness and this faith to go be before Goliath? It wasn't that he was just born with it. It was because he reminded himself of the past battles he had fought and the past victories that God has given him. He said, if God can help me deliver my flock from a lion and a bear, surely this uncircumcised Philistine is no match for my God. I feel like sometimes as Christians, we have spiritual amnesia. We forget all the goodness and all the great things that God has done in our lives. And we feel like, my, my life is not going anywhere. Everybody else is getting a bigger house. Here I am. Everybody else is getting a great car. Here I am. Everybody else has a great degree and, and a career. Here I am. And we are forgetting of all the past victories that God has already provided for us. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves, God, I remember when I was on the brink of bankruptcy. And Lord, you came as Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I remember when we could barely afford this, that, or the other. But Lord, your word says you shall supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. I remember when I should have been sick and dead on the hospital bed. But because it was you and your, by your stripes, I am healed. Can we remind ourselves? of the past things that God has done in our lives. And if God has been faithful to do it then, he is faithful to do it now. The reason why I have so much boldness is because I remember that I should have been on a bus at 14 years old to go to a youth camp with my youth group. But 24 hours before they decided to go, I chose not to go. My youth group decided to go and the bus driver was not a, didn't go to sleep for the past 36 hours. He fell asleep as he was driving, swerved into a pillar underneath the bridge hit the pillar at 90 miles an hour, 
two of my friends were ejected at the windshield at over 95 miles an hour, hitting their face on the concrete pavement of the highway, dying instantly. And two others were crushed in between the seats of the impact. 40 others were transported by helicopter to seven different hospitals. I should have been on that bus. But I have to remind myself, God, because I am still standing here today, because there is air in my lungs, because you have woken me to see another day, I know that your promises will never fail. What, what do you need to remind yourself to get you through this season? You see, David didn't choose this giant, but he chose how to respond to the giant. There's going to be some storms in your life. There's going to be some giants in your life. You have two responses. You can run away and cower in fear, or you can run towards what God has promised you with the boldness and declare that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Or if God is for me, then who can be against me? The reason why I'm here this morning is to stir somebody's faith up and remind you of all the things that God has done for you in the past. And to remind you that God is faithful and able to accomplish all that he has promised in your life. And so here David is. And watch what David says to Goliath. I'm about to wrap up. I know this is the quickest message. But sometimes we don't need a long message. We just need a powerful word from the Lord. David had this boldness. And the reason why he did that it was because he was reminding himself of what had happened in the past. Imagine while he was in the pasture, if he was lazy. Oh, there's a bear coming. Well, that just looks like the bear's going to have to eat up my flock. Or there's a lion. That lion's going to eat up my flock. You know, I, I believe, this is my imagination, that David must have been practicing with a slingshot while he was the shepherd or while he was in the pasture, just trying to aim at different things. Oh, I got it. Okay. And then finally, when the bear came, he was ready. Finally, when the lion came, he was ready. What you do in private will be revealed in public. Your private practice will ultimately become a public display. I can tell you all day and night that I work three times a day. I watch every calorie. I am so disciplined in my eating habits. I haven't touched sugar in one year. I can tell you all these things. But until you see the results of my body, you're going to know that I'm lying. Because you say that you're doing some stuff in private, but publicly, it's not showing. Same thing in our spiritual walk. You can say all day and night that you're fasting, you're praying, you're believing, you're reading the word, but eventually, there's going to be a time where your faith is tested. There is going to come a time where you have to walk out what you say you believe. Young people, listen to me very well. There is going to come a time where you cannot depend on your parents' faith to get you by. 
There has to be a point where you take ownership of your own personal relationship with Jesus and saying, whether or not my parents are going to push me, I am going to take ownership of my relationship and I'm going to believe God for the big things that he has for my life. So your private practice will ultimately become a public display. And so David now has this boldness because he's reminded himself of what's happened in the past. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 45 through 47, David replied to this Philistine, you come to me with a sword, spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer and I will kill and cut your head off. And then I will give the dead body of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. You see here, David is fighting from victory, not for victory. You have to remind yourself, the battle belongs to the Lord, but the victory belongs to me. And so David now has this boldness, this audacity, this encouraging faith to go be before this great giant named Goliath. And now what he's done in Private is now coming to pass in public. Before I move on, I want to encourage you, if you feel like you are in that pasture before you come to your giant, can I encourage you, do not allow the enemy to distort your view of being isolated. What if the place of isolation is a place of incubation for the miraculous? Maybe God has to isolate you away from some negative people. Some people that are going to drain your faith. Some people that are not going to believe with you for the big things that God has for your life. And so now David has this audacity to go before and proclaim boldness and victory that belongs to them. We all are very familiar with the story of David and Goliath. But let me ask you, why did David choose five stones? Was it because David thought maybe if the one doesn't take it, maybe I have four other shots just in case if God doesn't come through the first time. I don't believe that. This is what I believe. When we studied the history and the, and the genealogy of Goliath, he comes from the family of Gath. When you study that family, that entire family, Goliath had uh, five other siblings that were similar in stature. So this is what I believe. I believe David took five stones, not because it would take five tries for the Lord to deliver, but I believe David was ready because the first one was for Goliath and the other four was probably for Goliath's siblings if they decided to come and mess with David. What are you believing for? Do you have just enough faith to get you through this current situation? Or are you believing God for even 
time after time or trial after trial or fire after fire, God, I will still trust in you. Whenever I was raised in Sunday school, we would learn about David and Goliath. And immediately as soon as David took the stone and hit Goliath, Goliath fell and he died. And that was the end of the Sunday school lesson. But when we read the scripture, David doesn't just defeat Goliath by putting a rock in his head. He goes one step further. David goes and cuts off the skull of Goliath. He cuts off Goliath's head. Now, in these times, it was very customary for them to cut off the head, put it on a spear, and put it on the top part of the hill. So that if any other armies wanted to come and fight Israel, they would see that Israel had def had already defeated these other giants. And if you wish, you can come along too, but you're going to end up like these skulls on the head, on the, on the spear. It goes beyond that. David takes the skull eventually and he buries it in the hill. Do you know what the hill's name is? The hill's name is Golgotha, known as the place of the skull. A lot of similarities happen, a lot of parallelisms. First, God calls Samuel to go to Jesse's house, which is located in where? Bethlehem. Interesting, okay. I know someone else that was born in Bethlehem. And then David defeats Goliath, cuts off the head of Goliath, and buries it in the hill of Golgotha. Do you know what other significant event happened on the hill of Golgotha? Jesus was crucified on the hill of Golgotha. Which tells me what David started, Jesus ultimately said, it is finished. Can I encourage you? All that you need to do is take the first step. Take the first step in what God is calling you to. And God will take care of all the rest. He will take care of all the other details. There is no need to keep yourself awake at night. Because God is fighting your battles while you are asleep. God is working all things for your good. I know it doesn't seem like a good season right now. But I want to encourage someone this morning that God is working in the midnight hour. God is working on your behalf. Although you do not see it, you have to speak victory in Jesus' name. What are the big things that you're believing for this morning? What are the things that seem impossible to you? Do not tell God how big your giant is, but tell your giant how big your God is. This morning, I am here to encourage someone and to declare to you that victory is yours in the name of Jesus. Victory is yours. Jesus decided out of all the lineages he could have chosen in the entire world, he chose to be within the bloodline of David. This is the same David that chose to commit adultery with Bathsheba. When I mentioned to you 
What comes to mind when I talk about David? The first thing 99% of everybody will say is David and Goliath. You won't say, oh, Eric, I know who you're talking about. David, the one that sold Bathsheba. The enemy knows your name, but will identify you by your sin. But God knows your sin and will identify you by your name. You want to believe me? In Acts chapter 13, verses 22. But God removed Saul and placed him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David. God knows where you are. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to. Even after all the failures, even after all the mistakes that David has made, we still know David as a man after God's own heart. Can I encourage you to shut up the voice of the enemy that is reminding you of your failures, reminding you of your mistakes, that's reminding you of your past. You have to remind him of his future. He is defeated. We serve a victorious God. Whose faith am I encouraging this morning? Do not allow the enemy, the enemy's whisper to be louder than the still small voice of the Lord. David declares, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Sometimes God places you in a valley for a reason. You don't see many farms and vegetation that grows in the hilltops. Many times you see the farmland in the valley because that is where growth happens. I don't know what value, valley that you may be seeming in this morning, but can I encourage you? David does not say, as I stay in the valley, David does not say, as I camp in the valley. David says, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You need to keep walking. You need to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Do not stay camped in the valley. That is not God's best for your life. But we serve a God that will take you from glory to glory to glory. From victory to victory to victory. Come on church, if that is you, stand up on your feet this morning. Let's give God a mighty shout of praise this morning. Let's thank Him in advance for the victories that He's working out in your life. Let's thank Him in advance for all the things that He provided for you in the past. We serve a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But can I encourage